You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. In October of last year, Anna Mae Wong became the only Asian American and fifth woman to appear on the U.S. border as a part of the U.S. Mint's American Women Quarters program. Anna Mae Wong is one of the better-known early Chinese-American movie stars. She was the first Asian-American actress to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She received it in 1960, the inaugural year of the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Anna Mae Wong was regarded as a fashion icon in her day, but was also quite politically outspoken. In May, Barbie announced the release of an Anna Mae Wong Barbie doll, for Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. To talk about the life and times of Anna Mae Wong, I've invited Pei-Ling Kuo, a Taiwanese filmmaker who's made a few short films about Anna Mae Wong and has plans to work on a biopic about the actress. Pei-Ling also talked about some of her recent film projects, her love of martial arts, and her next film project that will be set in Taiwan. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by Natoa, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association, NATOA, was founded in 1988, and its mission is 1. To evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity. 2. To oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality. 3. To fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs. 4. To contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan. 5. To reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NATOA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Without further ado, here's our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Haylin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I wanted to talk to you about how it is that you actually got into filmmaking in the first place. How did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker? I don't know. It's like a mystery to me, too. Why we want to be is an artist. And by chance, I think the film really speaking to me. So I just jump in. But I didn't really grow up watching a lot of movies because okay. my family doesn't have the luxury or tickets to theater. And I watch movies. But somehow, after I went to graduate school, I studied in drama. Oh. And I studied to learn more about drama. I can use a different media to express myself. But I was lucky we have class. It's about filmmaking. So I took the class and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so it, since then, I just, I just started to do it. I didn't go to film school. So I just make a film by making mistakes no yeah so eventually i'm getting better i think so yes so this was in taiwan that you got your initial training yeah it does have a big foundation for me before i moved to new york can you talk a little bit about what your upbringing was like where did you grow up in taiwan and anything you'd like to share about that i was born in kaohsiung the south of taiwan and when i was growing up Kaohsiung is really nothing about culture. I lived there actually, but later, but I lived there uh, in the 2000s. Yeah. 
even before I, I growing up in the 70s, 80s, yeah. it's just like nothing. Yeah. So my growing up, I have to say, is really boring, not only school, and my parents <laughs> are always busy. Yeah. So, but I do watch a lot of TV shows. I don't think that my childhood is really something very inspiring. <laughs> okay. And so what was it that led you to New York? What is it that made you decide to come to New York? Yeah, New York is always calling for me. When I was in Taiwan, and then after I went to my drama school, it's called Taipei National University of the Arts. Okay. Yeah. And I study, and so many teachers they went to study in New York, and oh. then came back teaching in the in the school. Wonderful. Yeah. So they really um, opened a new window for me. You know, like how you more thinking about arts and uh, how you think about yourself to be oh. artist. It's a lot of influence from teachers there, and then they talk a lot about New York. So I was like, "Oh, what is this place? I'm gonna go yeah. see it." So around 2000, I would come back and forth between Taipei and the New York, okay. and I I was really drawn into it because so many different people, different people come over the world, and yeah. then, um, they all have this goal want to be artist. Yes, in New York, because my goal was to be an artist. So yeah. I was really seeing those people. And how inspiring. I really feel like it's where I should be. So in the 2002, I just decided to move here. So I guess it wasn't such a huge cultural shock then when you moved because you had been already visiting over the years. But still, though, no, no. especially now, we Taiwanese don't like to talk too much. And then the, of course, the English is a barrier. And still now, in the filmmaking, I still hard to find words sometimes mm-hmm. and I find people and I'm really thankful like they're very patient with me and then really try to help me and achieve my vision so that was wonderful but then back then I just immersed myself into this New York environment I feel like most fun inside feel like the difference is going inside me yeah I had the reverse experience when I went to Taiwan. It's hard for me to speak Chinese or Taiwanese. So. Uh, sure, yeah. Your English is a thousand times better than my Chinese. So. Oh, oh, no, yeah. how to. <laughs> if you move to Taiwan, I'm sure you'll be doing so much better. Uh, it should be better than it is. So how did you first hear about Anime Wong? Like, this is the one thing I remember when I met you, that you were working on this film. And I actually had never heard of her I think it was because of you that I met you and I heard that you had done some films on her that I knew who she was. Right. And so I'm curious, like, how did you first hear about her and get interested in her? Yeah, I have to say I've been doing this forever. <laughs> this project <laughs> is like my patient project, I have to say. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I admire her so much. So I feel like because back in 1920s, it was that anti-Chinese even more, you know, yes. so... I think she's trying to make people feel like another equality. Like we are all human beings. She's definitely, she has so, so many difficulties, a lot of stuff against her. Yes. For me, I first met her in 2005. It's like, uh, she was born in 1905. Yes. So it was 100 years, oh, supposed to be her yes. 100th birthday. Oh. So in the museum of movie image. Okay. Yeah. They have, a show like all about her, you know, I like see. pictures and books and movies, you know, yeah, showing her movies. So I went there and see, I was like, 
when I walk into the room about her pictures, I was like, "Oh my God, who's this woman?" Yeah. Now it's in black and white. Yeah. And in like nineteen twenties, you know, a hundred years ago. Yes. But even you do some research, you will see she has those like crazy costume. Yes. You know, and uh, she has striking pose. So yeah, like yeah, a, wow. she was a fashion icon among other things. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no, especially with Chinese were very conservative, especially for women. You see the woman in twenties in the black and white films, and she's trying to express herself. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah. So then after that, I watched some of her movies, and I was oh, this woman is fascinating. Anna May Wong was a fashion icon of the nineteen twenties and thirties. In 1934, she was voted the world's best-dressed woman by the Mayfair Mannequin Society of New York. So I would just start to research her. In the beginning, I didn't think too much about you know, the process of filmmaking. So I just started writing. I thought, oh, maybe let me try to write a biopic of her. So I was really studying, researching, reading books, yeah. and internet. Yeah. In, but then now I gradually found out is really difficult to make a biopic because it's a period piece yes. and the, you, the set and the, the costume, everything is only money. So I'm also yeah. an independent filmmaker now. It's not really what I can do now. And I want, yeah. I don't want to screw it, like make it like super cheap yeah. looking. It's, you have a standard. Yes, I don't want to ruin her image because I really respect her. No, yes, she really absolutely. paved the way for her. I want to make sure I did it. I do it right. I do her yeah. justice. But you have made uh, two short films about her, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so the first one was Where East Meets West. Mm-hmm. And I see that when it was like a series of, it looks like archival photos and footage. And I thought it was very interesting that you began the film with her visit to China in 1936, and then Mm -hmm. you work your way back in time. Can you talk about why you decided to do it that way? When we look at history, I feel like looking back. So even though we was how we were born and then move forward in time, but it's this moment. 1905, she was born, and this icon was born. So I feel that's why I think I should make it backward. Like people, what people really know about her, then go back to where is the history point. This yeah. this person was born. I thought it was really interesting. And regarding the footage, there's a lot of historical images and photographs and like a number of illustrations that depicted how the American public viewed Chinese Americans in the 30s. How did you decide what kind of photos to use in the film? Oh, I just really search on internet. Yeah. And uh, personally, I just picked something really speak to me. And then you made a second film about anime Wong called To Die or Dream, and I thought that was a really interesting concept because we can see there's a representation of her in the black and white film and then her in color and mm-hmm. how she was stepping into the black and white film. Like, How difficult is that to achieve that kind of special effect? And how did you come up with this idea? She's mostly in black and white films. Let me think about it, what you said. 
maybe you could talk about how did you come up with the idea to do that? Yeah, because she's in 50 films in her career. And um, I just want to really quick present what kind of roles she played. Yeah. And I also really feel like the film itself, to me, I always feel it's really surreal. It's just it's a scream, but it's just a scream, you know, but we project our imagination and our emotion into it. So it's already kind of surreal to me. So I feel like for her to step into it, have that breaking into the real and surreal line. Yeah. yeah. And she's presenting you now what she really want to do. You now she want to be an actress. She want to be in movies. I'm sure it's probably not as difficult these days to do with the special effects, but at the time that you filmed that, was it very difficult to get that special effect done? Uh, no, it's just basically just a green screen. So oh. we green screen and we just filmed the background. Okay. Now the guy in the bed, then step into it, it's okay. separated, and we just come back together. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of movie magic, you know, some, yeah, something everybody can I play know. now. I see two of those short films that you were working on a biopic called A Thousand Deaths, the story of anime Wong, but now it's been renamed something else? Yeah, I'm in a new process. Although I study her and write a lot of stuff about her for yeah. more than 10 years now. Yeah. But that's why I feel like just one feature-length film is not enough to tell her lifetime story. Yeah. So now I want to to breathe planet now with okay. different plan and I hopefully I can tell more about her story. But it's in a very early developing stage. Sure. So I don't know if I say it a lot now and then I change it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah sure it's just like a, but sure. for sure yeah. I have yeah. written a, a feature length script. Yeah, and it's in the development okay. now. You don't know. It could even, I'm sure it could even be a mini series too, if you wanted. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So what do you think is the significance of her image appearing on the U.S. quarter? This is five women. They are on the quarters and she's yeah. the only Asian. So it's definitely very exciting. I mean, yeah. it really presents us, right? <laughs> yeah. You're getting represented for sure. Mm-hmm. And what do you think it is that set her apart from other Asian American or Chinese American actresses at the time? Yeah, we know she cannot be the only one. No, there must be a lot of uh, Chinese women yeah. get inspired and want, yeah. want to be movie star too. And we know a couple of them. But I think what made her really different, I think, because she's persistent. Yeah, she was in, I read somewhere 60, but over 50 movies. Yes, right. Yeah. And even in late life, even she was, you know, like in 50s, she's still in like TV shows. It wasn't very successful and uh, all the tapes was tossed away. So now yeah. we don't have too much to know about the show. But it's uh, still, I think she, she's really has this, for me, I feel like she's very strong willed. No, she's that. She doesn't want to give up. No, she's set up her mind and she's just really pushed for it. I'm sure a lot, a lot of others, no, yeah, actresses, they probably try and they yeah. knew how hard it is. And then so they just ah, forget it. I'm not going to go through all. Yeah, we no. think the odds are hard now. 
think about back then, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think and this why I really admire admire her because her strength is incredible. Yeah. She was turned down so many times, and she just keep going and going. That's not even for now. For me too, I sometimes I feel very frustrating. No, I don't know where I'm going. No, but then. When I have the difficulty, somehow I always think how anyone would do. No, <laughs> she's really like a inspiration. Um, yes, sure. exactly. Role model, yeah, sure. role model. Yes, yeah. if she could do it, no, we can do it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, true. Yes, she certainly played, and it was a factor of the time. A lot of stereotypical roles, right? Yes. Um, and so, what do you think is one of the most stereotypical roles that she played? All of them. <laughs> I think that most of, all of them is very stereotypical roles for her. She mostly played like a dragon lady, we all know, and then she's like a, uh, a villain and must die in the end. You know, so because they don't want Chinese around, maybe time, the time being is an anti-Chinese movement yeah. them. But for her, it's really a lot of struggle because she was under contract. And all those roles are offered to her. If you don't take it, no, she will never achieve her dreams. So it's like, a, I'm sure it's a lot of struggle for her. Maybe when she was younger, she didn't think that much. So she's got a lot of backfire from her own people. But much later in her life, she's more trying to make play more like a positive roles for Chinese people. But it's still really hard, you know, to find really good roles for her. Yeah, yeah, that was my understanding. Like, I think I saw a photo of her in a dress where the dress literally had a dragon on it, right? Yes, that's the most used to for her now. You know, yeah, most the most people... famous photograph of her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of discrimination did she face aside from getting these roles of the Chinese dragon lady being like a villain and all that. Do you know what kind of discrimination she faced in Hollywood? Yeah, racism. Yeah. Because they don't like to mix race. It's illegal. It's there is illegal. something called the miscegenation laws. Yes. And it yeah. prevents a mixed race relationship so she could never kiss a leading man who is not Asian. And I even I heard that she did have a film where there was a Asian male lead, but she's what did she kiss him? No I don't know. It was so controversial. Yeah. She did a one in England, you no, know, kissed the male lead. Okay. But I think it was cut oh. in the, the the final version, according to my study. Right. Because they still worry about those you no know, rest uh mis race. Yeah. Or upset people who yeah. don't really want to see it. That's why somehow may enemy one feel disappointed when after she went to Europe. Mm-hmm. Those things still underneath you never she can never really escape. Yeah, and that's a really big point because she could never be a leading lady if she could never kiss a male lead, so that's like a huge barrier. And right, as you said, in 1928, she went to Europe and to try, yes. and she still faces similar discrimination, right? Yes, but, fact, but much better yes. than in Hollywood. Though. Yes. Yeah, oh, because I see. She, she definitely be in the leading roles. Some movie was 
very successful, like Piccadilly. It's one of her signature movies. Yeah. But eventually she just found out not pretty much the same. Yeah. And now it's time for a short break. Talking Taiwan is a listener-supported podcast, and we're so happy to share the news that we've reached our goal to raise $5,000 for our matching donation campaign. Now it will be doubled to $10,000 by Patrick Wong, who so generously initiated this matching donor campaign. I'd like to take a moment to thank this latest round of donors who helped us to finally reach our goal. Thank you, Susan Chang. Taiwan Union Christian Church in New York, and Ching Li and Emily Lin. We'll be having another matching donation campaign offered by Ming Chang. So any donations that you make right now will continue to be doubled. You can make a donation at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. If you'd like to help us raise funds by being a matching donor, just email us at TalkingTaiwanPodcast at gmail.com or support us directly at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash support. Right now, your donation will be doubled during this $2,000 matching campaign. And I read that she had some close relationships with other women like Marlena Dietrich because they were in the Shanghai Express and Cecily Cunningham and that because of that, there were some rumors about her being lesbian. Too. Especially, she never get married. She's single, yeah. I don't know, it's something people want to play with. It's just for getting attention. Gossip. Yeah, yeah, gossip. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I think she was multilingual, right? Didn't she do some films like she did French and German? Like yes, also? yes. So that's really quite remarkable too, right? Yeah, she learned the yeah. language uh, yeah. to play in the film. In the 1930s, Anna Mae Wong became quite politically outspoken. She criticized Japan's invasion of Manchuria, and she also became more outspoken about Chinese-American causes and for better film roles. And I think you mentioned the Chinese or China. How do they view her? Because, of course, she has the pressure from America and the discrimination against Chinese Americans, but do you know anything about how China or the Chinese thought of her? She went back to China in 1936. Right. It's the first time and the only time she went back. And it was really uh, divided. Some people really support her, especially uh, if they are all artists. For people, a lot of Chinese people, they just hate her. Because she always portrayed Chinese in a negative light. Yeah, the stereotype. I remember when she was turned down to get into the country because people were protesting. Oh. Like say, no, let her in. Oh. That, that. So she has to go to other country, like go to no, other country, wait for the wave to come down. Oh. The poor woman, no, she endured those things very insulting. It's not yeah. even her fault. But as you said, like later in her life, she, I read that she took on a lot of B-rolls that were actually Chinese American characters that are more heroic. Yes. So you have to give her some credit for that. And she was, from what I understand, quite outspoken about that, that Chinese Americans did not get, they were always given these roles of being the villain. Yeah, later in her life, she just tried to reverse not the same, but 
unfortunately, she was also given like a B movies. So it's not a big production movie, and it's, the quality wasn't like so hmm. somehow make her even more failing. She did her best trying to do what she likes to do. So that's really, it's just like so much you can do and then the rest you just cannot control. The Chinese press and government were quite critical of Wang. However, Peking University awarded her with an honorary doctorate in 1932. Then, in a 1933 interview for Film Weekly entitled I Protest, Wang criticized the negative stereotyping in Daughter of the Dragon, saying, Why is it that the screen Chinese is always the villain? When speaking of when she went to China in 1936, a year before, this is also very well known if people do research about her. I recommend anyone who wants to know more about her just look up on Wikipedia. It's very Mm -hmm. extensive what's written about her. But I understand that the year before, in 1935, that she wanted the part of a Chinese character, Olan, in the film version of Pearl Buck's book, The Good Earth. And she actually got passed over. And there was a actress, Louise Rainier, who is not even Asian, who ended up getting the role and actually won an Oscar for the performance, too. I have to wonder if perhaps being passed over for this role and the disappointment perhaps made her consider going to China to see what it was like there, if it would be any different. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Because I heard it's a lot of drama there. I'm sure she lobbied for the role, for the lead role. But unfortunately, they thought she's not Chinese enough for the role. Yeah. That, really? If you tell me that, that's really ironic because they picked someone that was not even Asian in the end. Because that's what they they imagined that Asian people should look like that. But no, she has big eyes and she doesn't have the slanty eyes. They don't think she looks Chinese enough. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, my goodness. Uh, huh. Even though she's an authentic Chinese. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, makes me think of the breakfast at Tiffany's and how they had that uh, male. He was supposed to be Japanese. There was some character that was just, it was so stereotypical, too. Yes, yeah, Mickey Inouye, yes. I also read that in... 38, she auctioned off a lot of her movie costumes and donated money to Chinese aid. And I understand that she actually was quite charitable and did a lot of philanthropy and gave a lot to the cause like Chinese aid as well. But I think also it's probably in those days people drank a lot because I also read that she drank a lot and that could have maybe contributed to why she died at such a young age because she was only 56 when she passed. No, yeah. She was supposed to be in a flower drunk song, but she just uh, passed away before the shooting started. The TV show that you mentioned, it was called The Gallery of Madame Liu Tsung, and Liu Tsung is actually her birth name, right? Yeah. Her her birth birth name was Wang Liu Tsung, so that was quite interesting. Yes. Yeah. Huang Liu Shuang. Yeah. Do you know if she left any diaries or letters behind? Actually, I know that she actually wrote about her travel to China. I think it was reported in some newspapers. Um, that I don't really know. I think she writes a lot of letters to her friends. I'm sure they are a lot of letters. Is there anything else you'd like to share about Anime Wong that you've uncovered in your work and research that we haven't shared? She's really getting more popular now. 
And、uh, I'm sure there are a lot of articles and stuff sharing about. And、uh, yeah, I think people get to know about her much more than when I just started doing research. That's great. And、uh, you know, I tried to make a movie of her. In the beginning, I don't, I don't even hear anybody is want to make a movie of her. But now I just all the project coming up, people want to make a movie of、yeah. her. If not me, I wish somebody will do it, because we need to to hear her story. It's very important for yeah. And I, I like to talk about what you're working on now these days, because you have some current projects in the works, right? You mentioned that you're going to be making a movie in Taiwan. Can you tell me about、uh, yes, that? Yes, yeah. I saw my、uh, new project. I'm really excited about it because、yeah. I'm from Taiwan. The idea is I want to go back to Taiwan. They just do a movie like a road trip movie.、We'll、go around Taiwan you now with actors and with a story in it. So then we can see what's going on. The story is not really script. Oh, really? Oh,、uh, it is it, but it's not going to be a documentary. No, it's not. But I want it to be like more spontaneous because when we meet people in Taiwan. Now, what's really good about Taiwan is people, yeah. And I want to see if I can really show what Taiwan is, yeah. You know, really, in a, just a simple story, everyday and, life. Yeah, a simple story, and she get on the road, and see she can make the journey and find out what she was looking for. Basically, it's a story. Okay. But so you will have someone who is the main character, like the quote-unquote main character, like the main person traveling around. The yes, we、we'll、follow her, follow and see what things happen to her. Yeah. So have you already worked out who that's going to be? Oh yeah, the actress yeah. in my sci-fi movie. Oh. Yes,、okay. we develop the story together, so、oh, she、great. can play with no. Okay. Because we want to follow her, so now、yeah. we're de- developing the story. But it could happen in Taiwan. So then, when maybe in this summer, then we can just go there. We don't need like a set, or、yeah. we don't need like fancy lighting.、Right. We just need to shoot. I think we definitely can find a really cool story in that,、yeah. and then make it a movie. I mean, sometimes I really feel like all those actors they know what they're doing.、Yeah. They have their own story,、yes. and they don't know how to present a character. So I would feel like if we can get story out of. Them instead of hand them the script, say okay, do this. I I feel a bit more authentic, right? Yeah, right. the story and the character. Yeah, now they really、wow. they playing themselves. They can bring out what they really inside them. You no, know, will be more alive. That sounds、right. like a really interesting challenge. Good for you. Thank you. Well, how often do you get to visit Taiwan? When was the last time that you were there? I was twenty twenty during the pandemic.、Oh. I just took my family escape from New York. You know, when Taiwan was really safe and nice, so we went there. We don't need to wear a mask, and then we can just kind of go long vacation in、oh, Taiwan. So you really enjoyed, like when Taiwan was in that bubble when Taiwan's like not affected. Yeah, it was a really good time. Usually, you go back to Taiwan like every two years. The last time I was there was before the pandemic. I know it's so hard for everybody. You also mentioned that you're working on a sci-fi film that's also in production. Yeah, it's a short film. I have to say, I'm not a big sci-fi fan. I'm not like about it, but I like the genre because in the sci-fi world, you can do anything. Anything is、sure. possible. 
no limit. So I was like, oh, why don't I just jump in and try it? And I okay. did have a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. But also independent film. In my film, you won't see a lot of spaceship flying over or explosion. <laughs> uh, for me, I still want to focus on what's human behavior, even if it's yeah. set in a different time zone or space. So it's not so much about the special effects, although I'm sure there's a certain amount of that. But yes. you don't want that to be the main attraction, right? Yeah, it's a tool. I do have a special effects, definitely, yeah. to create yeah. another yeah. sci-fi vibe. I'm sure that's got to be fun. Yes, it is a lot of fun. And you also have a passion for martial arts film. On your website, I can see the Once Upon a Time in the Bamboo. Yes. And you said it was inspired by A Touch of Zen. Can you yes. talk about A Touch of Zen and why that movie was important in your love of martial arts? When I go out, I watch a lot of like martial arts movies, but they are like sharp art movies. Oh, they are like this really kind of city fighting with yeah. stopping. Yeah, yeah, the weird dubbing. Yeah, weird dubbing. It's kind of off. It's all off. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, the not the King Ho was the first one. He really take martial art movies seriously. So he put a lot of energy and efforts you know, to make it look like something is a serious movie. So I really got inspired by him because before he just jumping all over the place and doing yeah. silly stories, yeah. but he, he tried. Why he called it? In Chinese, it's Shani, it's uh, this female warrior. But in English, he, the king who make a man is a touch of Zen. He was the say something about, you no know, philosophy he believed into this martial arts film. Yeah, so he uh, just make it more meaningful. And somehow for me, I still like those things, fighting, jumping, fighting. That's still fun, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would like to, I always think maybe King Hu is a little bit too serious. So okay. I would like to release, relax a little okay. because can have fun to see, you know, what's Chinese Kung Fu in fantasy. Yeah. Do you do any martial arts yourself? Yeah, I do Tai Chi for okay. a while. And, yeah. um, I really like Tai Chi sword. I'm still mm-hmm. practicing. So for me, I like sword fights. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, that was really fun. Scary. It is, but, but I guess excited. the sword that you use when you practice is not like sharp or anything. No, no, like no, that, no. Right? Bob, they, they make it look so real, but it's plop. Yeah, definitely, yes. Yeah, but yeah, I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in the Bamboo, and I was thinking, wow, that must be so fun to do the fight scene. Yeah, yeah. I wish <laughs> eventually if I can have more money, we can do more, more trying yeah. to make a different kind of martial arts fighting. It'd be more fun. I always remember growing up and watching those martial arts films from Hong Kong. That's yeah. the Shao Brothers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you love the most about filmmaking? It's something like a painter, like to paint, because you create from a scratch. Yeah. It's just you build a, you build in the world, grow in front of your eyes. Sometimes when I have my tiny ideas, they just keep growing and growing. Like, I always say my movie is like my babies, you know, yeah. they grow. So then people, more creative people come in and they have been even more stuff. It's so much fun. It's so intriguing. You created a little universe. Those people, they, the people you like, we do it together. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. 
I did look at a few of your films that you have on your website or your Vimeo, and I looked at the Prescott Place, because I also remember when you were working on that project, and that was really interesting, too. It's so creative to think of these storylines. That was quite spooky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But interesting. Yeah, yes. the whole psychology. Uh, I'll let people yes. watch that it's, for themselves. Uh, I, I don't want to do just... just uh, Oh, I, I do make it a little provocative. Yeah. You know, make people think that it'd be more than like a, a normal story. If you weren't a filmmaker, what do you think you would be doing? <laughs> you yeah. thought about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I also like to paint. Oh. I probably would paint, be a painter. Yeah. I, I'm a pretty shy person. I really like just by myself, mm-hmm. talk to my media mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy that too, like it's super yeah. quiet, just in, in the yeah. conversation. So yeah. I probably will be a painter if I'm not, I'm not really? filmmaker. Yes. Okay. What kind of painting do you do? Do you do oil like on canvas? Uh, oil, acrylic, yeah, mostly yeah. just too, yeah, on canvas, yes. Well, I don't think I knew that about you. Yeah, I so think. I sometimes I always yeah. think that no movie is like a moving image. Movie yeah. paintings. It has the same thing every frame. It's like a painting. Yes. Yeah. You need lighting, composition, moments. Yeah. All of- so, what would you like to be remembered for? Like, how would you like people to remember your work or you? Yeah. I, of course, I wish I would be a big director who doesn't want to. But it's for not for the vanity. I just want the people to remember I'm being an artist. I want to express my point of view of the world. That's what yeah. I see and I wonder why. We always want to know why we were here. I also wonder why we were here. And what's behind us, what's in front of us. This is history. I'm, I don't know if I can make it, but I hopefully just, for now, I just want to really enjoy what I'm doing. Not thinking too much about making money or being famous. I realize we only have so much time. Then let's just have fun and enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. It's not easy. I think it's very difficult choosing to be an artist because it is a reality we need to think about and how we're going to support ourselves. I don't know what advice you have for other people who want to take this path. As a filmmaker? Yeah. Or artist? Yeah, I guess both. I guess the answer would be a little bit different for each and well, for filmmaker, I think it's just all about hard work. You can really believe in yourself and just go for it. But if you have doubts, then I would say probably don't waste your time. Just find something else. Yeah, it's going to be uphill battle. Yes, it is. For every field, in every art, so many people can do what you can do. So you really have to insist what you can do. Yes. Yeah. What about people who are thinking of being an artist? Think that's different? Not much different yeah. because uh, it's same thing. It's different art form, but ultimately it's what you want to say, you want to express. Same thing. And if people want to know more about you and your work, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, of course, my website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's called Name Let Me Think Productions. We'll definitely put it on the website. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share at all about yourself, your work? Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm an Asian and I'm American and I'm the outsider because I'm immigrant. Yeah. Now. So it's a lot of uphill battle for me to do what I want to do to achieve my dream. But so far, I feel like I'm blessed. I feel I, yeah. I have found my people. And I'm moving on little by little. And one day we can do something really meaningful with people I love so yeah. much. Yes. Yeah. Great. And okay. I'm really thankful for them and for, yeah. for America, of course. Yeah. I really feel the freedom here. Give me a lot of support. Yeah. And that's really yeah. great. Yes. It's so important to find people that you enjoy working with and that understand you and good to work with, easy to work with and that you enjoy working with. It makes a huge difference, right? Yes, because you have the same goal and the, yeah. the same vision, creating something together. Yeah, that's something different Yeah, in the end. Yes. Thank you for that. I've been speaking with filmmaker Palin Kuo about her film projects and Adam A. Wong the first Asian-American woman to appear on the U.S. quarter and to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. NATOA was founded in 1988. To learn more about NATOA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.